today I'm a little bit sore because I did something together this week. Uh, this weekend we took a handful of couples that have never hiked before. And you guys know, Amy and I, that's our hobby. I know when you looked at me, you thought that instantly. I know. Because this is the shape of a hiker. It's funny because we're, we're hiking along and these guys come by really fast. And one guy, they go, hey, that guy, they call him Gonzalez. And I'm like, yeah, he's got one of them fast frames. This is not a fast frame. But you know what? We just had a great time over a couple days teaching some couples how to hike and get out there. And, and um, the big award goes to Diana and Nick. Diana was up here singing today. That poor girl, her husband doctored her feet the whole time. She's completely blistered. We ended up calling her blister by the end of the week or the end of the two days. That's her nickname because a blister is something tiny that affects everything. And Nick will tell you she's tiny and she affects everything, right, Nick? And so, but we had a great time in the woods with our friends and such, and, and none of us needed rescued. Yeah. Hallelujah. There was a few times on a few hills and a little bit of agita, you know, I was getting a little bit of that, oh, you know, but we got through and nobody needed rescued. But this series we're teaching right now, we started last Sunday, and the series is called Lifeline. Because there may be somebody in this room, and I think the reason why people are so noisy up in here is because we know that we are a people that are a rescued people. We have no false pretense in this house. We have no sense that we have it all figured out, and we're going to look down our nose at everybody else. We know that we are tore up from the floor up, and without Jesus throwing us a lifeline, we would never made it back to the boat. But Jesus rescued us. Can you give him some praise in here this morning? He rescued us. And when it comes to Scripture, the whole of Scripture, that's all it is. It's just this beautiful story of rescue. This powerful narrative of God coming and throwing a lifeline to us. It's the whole theme of it. It's just one of rescue. We can call it salvation. That's really all salvation means. We can call it redemption. We'll talk about these terms in a little bit because redemption is what gave us the ability to be rescued. But when it comes down to it, it's a lifeline. Shout lifeline. Yeah, yeah, we throw out that term, salvation, and we forget that all it means is just rescue. And that from the dawn of time, God has been trying to rescue his people. He's been pulling us into safety. He's been pulling us into relationship. And, um, and with that, um, when a life is rescued, it changes everything. I don't know if there's anybody in this room today, but, but maybe, just maybe, you, you, you had a heart attack at one time. And you got through is anybody like that? Did anybody have a heart attack in here ever? Not anybody here? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, Tony? Man. And it made Tony, that's his daughter beside him, it made you look at life completely different, didn't it? Just completely. I mean, when people have been rescued, when they've got through, they just live life different. Things taste sweeter. You know, the, the, the relationship with his daughter, he's just looking at her eyes. The, the, everything just gets richer, you know, because you almost lost it all. And there's stories of people who lost all their finances and God rescued them. And they just treat their finances different. There's people who lost, like I said, health. And they just treat life completely different. In other words, a rescued life is a life that starts to be lived wide open. You know, not closed up. When you're rescued, you want to get a taste of everything. Nick, on that trail, brother, you got a taste of everything. Nick's told his story before, almost 11 years in prison. I didn't say this in the first service. I didn't see you. Dude, there was this one spot where I stopped, and he's walking up, and I said, Nick, look at that. And he just looks. I said, you know what that looks like? That looks like freedom. And he looked at this vast valley, 
And it just wasn't lost on him. While he was in prison, he went to Bible college, saved, baptized, Bible college, all those things. I mean, man of God, I love it, you know? But man, he had never seen anything like that before. Never camped, never hiked. And now this young man that had spent so much time in an eight by six is looking out as far as his eyes can see. That man lives life differently. <laughs> That's what all this is about, guys. A young man, 18, 19 years old, and the enemy of his heart thought he would take him forever. But God never lost sight of Nick Guadalupe. Never one moment lost sight of him. All that time throughout that lifeline. And he was just smart enough to grab a hold and let God pull him toward himself. And toward the call on his life. And toward a wonderful wife. And toward an amazing church. With an amazing pastor. No, I'm kidding. The bat killed him on the trail yesterday. But still, it was awesome. And so I'm just a proud man. I'm proud of you, but I'm just so thankful to Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. It's a story of rescue. And when you're rescued, you live like you've been rescued. That's really how it is. We need to live like we've been rescued. A rescued life is a life that if we're going to understand the fullness of it, there's three things. And today we're going to look at the first. A rescued life is a reconciled life. And theologically, I want you to understand what that means. Before we leave here today, what does it mean? Reconciliation, that term, what does it mean? The second thing, next week we're going to look how a rescued life is a restored life. What does that mean? And then finally, our final week in the series, we'll look at a rescued life is a released life. Because one that's been rescued has a heart to rescue. Amen? Unless we forgot what it felt like to be floating out in the water. And sometimes we need reminded of that, don't we? But a rescued life is a life that desires to rescue. And what I'm so thankful for is that Jesus came to throw us a lifeline. And we grab a hold of that lifeline. And he pulls us toward himself. And he came, the Bible says, to seek and to save the lost. And I thank God that I'm one of those lost that he came to see. Are you thankful for yourself? Amen. They threw a line, and you grabbed the hold, and he began to pull you toward the things of God. And, and here's what's neat about this lifeline. It's not just a lifeline that taps you to eternity for heaven's sake. It's a lifeline that taps you to God, period. It, it connects you to all heaven has. Everybody go like this. Just go like this. Go like, ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. I got you. I got you. Okay, that was, that was, you're so stupid, Pastor. You're so stupid. No, but this connection between heaven and earth, listen, Pastor Brantley already said it, Tonight's, today's a prophetic day, because we're declaring there's a connection between heaven and earth, and today God's going to be allowing some things to flow, amen? That's why we pray that prayer, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, 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 that lifeline connects us to God, and everything that God has flows through, through that, and Jesus knew that. And besides all that you are, and maybe the mess that you once were, he still came looking. And I love it. I'm a, a guy that loves art. I always have. And worked at an art gallery in high school. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I did. And I um, sold art. It was more of a selling gallery than a, a, a viewing gallery. And, um, and it was a lot of fun working there, and I've just always enjoyed it. And we're all familiar with the picture that was painted by Leonardo da Vinci, that mid-15th century picture. It's a little, little painting called The Last Supper. You all are familiar with that, right? 
But do you know about a little, about 75 years after that was painted, another artist by the name of Paolo, I always say his last name wrong. I have to look at it to always say it right. Veronese, Veronese. Any Italians here? Veronese. Sounds like something delicious to eat. Uh, everything sounds delicious to eat. Okay, so I was hiking for two days. I'm still hungry. Okay, stop. So he wrote, drew a picture, painted a picture, and it's called, of all things, Last Supper. It's the name of Veronese's painting, Last Supper. And, and I want to show you the picture of this, okay? This is the, about the, the most pixels I could find. So I know it's still a little hard to see. And I didn't want to zoom in because I want you to see all of it. Because the scope of it, you see Jesus in the middle having dinner. And you see people not just, you know, they're all over the place having life. And things are happening. And uh, <coughs> actually over here, you have a little like court jester. And they're playing around and fooling around. There's people over here drinking. And there's people, all sorts of things are happening. And it's just a different picture when it comes to the idea of Last Supper. And, and, and it was a painting, though. I want you to read. This is something I pulled, I, I pulled out. Uh, uh, it says, The painting led to an investigation by the Roman Catholic Inquisition. Hmm. That doesn't sound like fun. You know? Oh, no, not the comfy chair. I'm sorry. There's probably five people in this room that get, gets that reference. But <clears throat> you liked it if you got that reference. Monty Python? Okay, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm sorry. So... When it came down to it, Veronese was called to answer for his irreverence and his indecorum. And the serious offense of heresy was mentioned. Oh, gasp. Look at that pincher. What heresy. Do you, I don't see heresy there, right? But this is this era, and they have a beef with this. And watch. He was asked to explain why the painting contained buffoons, Drunken Germans, dwarfs, and other such scurrilities. Sounds like a party. You know what I'm saying? And this is what it says. This is just this is historical. So don't fault me on using the word dwarf. I'm reading a quote from history. Literally, it was in the church records because he was pulled before the church. Go read it for yourself, okay? Smile. All right. <laughs> Now, obviously, historically, they're wrong. We, we know they say things nicer now. But still, when I looked at that, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the picture he paints. He paints a picture. What's a buffoon? It's just someone who's just ridiculous. It's just, it's someone, literally, this dwarf, this person is a, a court jester. If you can see it close up, he's dressed up like a jester. And he's just being silly, and people are playing around with him, you know. And, and when it comes to the idea of, of somebody that's, that's a German, drunken German, you know, it, that, <laughs> That's just true. There's, I'm sorry. That, I'm from Ohio, my town, Mansfield. We have tons of Germans. And it was so funny because one of our ex-board members, um, she's since rolled off the board. She was sitting here, and she's from Germany, and Beata's behind her from Germany, and Bettina, pastor's, um, 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 Pastor Marvin's wife, is from Germany. And it was just, it was, they didn't like that in the first service. <laughs> We thought it was hilarious. I shouldn't say it, but, you know, you say things that are true, so. But <laughs> drunken Germans and, 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 and other scurrilities. Now, there's your word. How many, I'm going to ask you guys. I asked in the first service, how many knows what scurrilities is or are? I think that's plural, are. Exactly. I thought nobody, I didn't have a clue, y'all. I just had to find out. And so it's this. It's actions that would be labeled as foul-mouthed offensive or rude 
So in other words, Brian Choate. <laughs> Brian's one of, our, one of our staffers. He was in the first service. He enjoyed that. And so he's not in this service. So we'll just say Danny Kennedy. That'll work. <laughs> Love you, Danny. So when it comes down to it, um, scurrilities, you know. Now here's the thing that's wild about this. Veronese was told to change his painting. And he had three months to change his painting. And, and, and instead of changing his painting, because the, the church at the time, they just did, they felt it was irreverent and no decorum. And so instead of changing his painting, he thought, you know, I'm going to change the name of the painting. And he called it the Feast at the House of Levi, or the Feast in the House of Levi. Levi was Matthew. Matthew was the tax collector. So it's the Feast at the tax collector's house. And he shifts the name. All right? And, and, and what's wild about that is he shifts the name. And the reason why is because they felt, and the church was okay with it, they felt that it was still an episode from the Gospels. Remember the Gospels when it said, throw a banquet, go get the high, go in the highways and byways and bring those people in that nobody else wants, and you bring them all into your house for a, a great feast, a great banquet? That's the picture here. Okay, that's the, it's the feast at that Levi's house, or that Levi's house, the, at the tax collector's house. And what's wild is, it said that, that it was still an episode from the Gospels, but less doctrinally central than the Last Supper. Hmm. And one in which the gospel specified sinners were present. And so it was one of these ideas that, that, that when it comes to this picture, we can't let this be the Last Supper, by no means. Because of all these people that are invited, all these people that are there that are just... Oh, my gosh. And, and when it said, when I read that little quote, the idea that, that, that they still they changed the name and that it was the idea that it was not as central to the gospel message as the actual Last Supper like Leonardo da Vinci painted, all I could think to myself was, I think it's more central to the gospel message. I do. I think, it's, I think this picture is more central to the gospel message because, yes, when Jesus was with his disciples for that, that, that time, he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. This is my, 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 my blood, it's shed for you. Take this and do this as often as you remember me. But the idea was to go forth and allow Jesus to spread throughout the whole world to invite people like this in. Amen? And here's what I'm going to tell you I'm excited about. This right here, this is a picture of what Momentum Church looks like. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now, I love it. Man, there's, can I tell you something? Man, on the day before Easter, a man in our church was stabbed through his face. That's the kind of people you got at Momentum Church. I'm not, I'm not just making a joke. Stabbed through his face. Had been a believer for a little while. Obviously still has some friends that, that, well, friends that would actually stab you in the face. Right? And you know where he was at last Sunday? Right here in the house of God, one week later, after being in ICU, innovated, thinking he's going to die, but he's right here. Come on, somebody. Is that awesome? And so momentum is a place where there's people that know how to move in the gifts of the Spirit, and they know how to move in healing, and then it's a place where there's people that need a whole lot of healing. There's people that have been delivered and being delivered, free and being set free. Amen? Lost. And I like to call those pre-believers. I know, I know. The Bible says sinners, and I probably should call you a sinner, but my faith says you're a pre-believer. You're this close. If you can just know how good Jesus is. If you can just know how amazing rescue is. 
What would keep you from a loving, rescuing Jesus? What would keep you from him? Amen? Amen. And you may say, but I have this in my life, and I have that in my life. And how many in here had some stuff in your life, but he still brought you to the party? Give God some praise in here. That is the message of reconciliation. Now, after this time with Veronese, the religious leaders, they didn't, they didn't really celebrate his work, but instead they celebrated Leonardo da Vinci's work. Let's look at this picture. Boring! I mean, I will never look at this painting the same again. Boring! You know? I, I just have a feeling that the church of Jesus, Jesus' church, is a little more like Veronese's church than Da Vinci's church. Come on, somebody. Don't you think so? Just a little bit more. A little more messy. A little more things happen. A little more things you can't control because you can't control people. Trust me, I know. You know? But Jesus, that rescuer, man. Let them be at my party. Let them be at my party. Let them be at my party. Come on. I'm bringing you all to the things of God. That just makes me so happy. And so when it comes down to it, this idea of rescue, why are we rescued? How can we be rescued? It's all about reconciliation. And a rescued life is a reconciled life. God begins to pull you toward himself, and everybody just lean into the pool. That's all. He's, he's done everything he can to bring rescue to you. Just lean into it. Later today, we're going to have an opportunity to lean into that pool, what he has for us. And I want to read some word and just kind of teach into the scriptures a little bit. Let's stand to our feet as we do to honor God's word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Paul was a man who leaned against God, away from God, so much, even to the point when, when, when Jesus a kind of a vision said why are you kicking against me why are you coming against me and now jesus is saying i'm in your control now he's saying he's encouraging the corinthians lean into the pool of god lean into what god's doing and he says for the love of christ controls us we've concluded this that once died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised Go ahead and have your seat. In this, you're seeing this whole picture of rescue and redemption and reconciliation that he's died for us to bring us into a relationship with God. Not that we deserve it, but that he's done it for us. And I've been enjoying um, just kind of bouncing into the, the message version ever so often. And I bounced over to the message version of, that script, of this scripture, and it says this. This is rich. Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. Okay, ready? And it's going to tell us what this focused center is. One man died for everyone. That puts us all in the same boat. Isn't that good? How can you ever look at somebody in a way that you just want to uh, get, you know what I mean? It's like when you realize they're in the same boat as I am. We're all in the same boat. And Jesus has come to throw a lifeline to pull us all into the same boat. Yesterday, we're coming around this blind corner and this woman just bails around it super fast and and i i put on my brakes and and i roll the window down i'm like like this i'm like this and she, i know she thinks she's going to get an earful and i'm just like honey i said it's dangerous coming around the corners you're going to die you gotta be careful and, and and she was so sweet 
you know, because I handle it in a way that I realize we're all in the same boat. I didn't say, what in the world are you thinking, you crazy lady? In my head. I thought every bit of that. But in the moment, I'm like, you know, she's just, she's excited to get up here and hike or whatever she's doing. And she's just going a little fast. And plus, I knew I was preaching today and all this, and I need to be nice. And so, and I had church people in my, my truck. So, my van. No. Watch this. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. Isn't that a picture of Veronese's painting? A resurrection life. A life that changes everything. A resurrection life. A life that things that are dead in your life, God brings to life. Things that you thought were over, just beginning. Oh, I love it. A far better life than people ever lived on their own. Doesn't that sound like a rescued life? Yeah. A far better life. And that far better life, that rescued life, ought to be one that's lived larger than ever before. Just should. Just how we view things should be shifted by this thought of rescue. It goes on in verse 16, back to the English Standard Version I usually use. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things, these are the things that are counted against us. The old things are passed away. Behold, the new has become. And all this, how? How, how does the new become? All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. You know, how, how many here you've done the checkbook? Remember, I'm going to ask this. I asked in the first service. and How many take your checkbook out every month and you reconcile your checkbook? Raise your hand. Two. Isn't that awesome? Because it does it for you. Now, once in a while, it's good to look because sometimes people will try to steal your money. And you'll be like, I didn't, you know, uh, sign off on that debit. But that's what reconciliation is. It's actually an accounting term. And it's the idea of taking something by choice from guilty, I'm sorry, from credit to, to, or debit to credit, from a negative to a positive. And you're going through your books and you're reconciling your books. We used to do that. Okay. I may need to shift that illustration someday or that little application because nobody does that anymore. But that's the term. Watch verse 19. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. You thought I was just making up this accounting thing. No, no, this is what reconciliation means. So God chooses to put you on the credit side, not the debit side. The side where you get, not where you get taken from. The side of positive, not loss. Oh, come on, Jesus. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. And, and so he reconciles the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, he wants us to be reconcilers where we don't point out the wrongs in others. We're not counting things against people, no matter how hard my wife wants to do that to me. <laughs> now, I told this story in the first service off the cuff, and then the whole time I'm saying, I shouldn't have said this, sir. I shouldn't have said it. And I'm not going to say it in a second. And I had two guests, and one guest said by name, he said, you can tell him Billy told you to, you got to preach that. you got to say that, because that was good. He goes, I'm coming back. I like this place. This place down to earth. <laughs> and so I'm going to say it under the unction of Billy. <laughs> and if you got issues, take it up with Billy. My wife and I are on this camping trip, and we wake up in the morning. Now, when you're hiking and camping, you're not eating the best of food. Stuff's kind of coming in. Stuff's kind of going out. 
So when it comes down to it, there's some things that are just natural consequences of not eating your normal diet. Um, flatulence. Okay, so in the morning, we wake up, and my dear wife says to me, no, before we went to sleep, don't do that. And I'm like, baby, I, I don't know what's going to happen when I'm sleeping. She's like, just, just, just don't. Just keep, you know. So we wake up in the morning, and we're there in our double hammock. We have a double hammock. It's like a tent that flies. looks like a pupa. You know, it does, it does. And um, we're in that, and there's people camping all over the place. Because it's right now, that big time when everybody's heading north on the AT to do their through hike. So there's just campers everywhere. Plus, our party's camped all over here. And she's told me the night before, not. And I had it, and I'm feeling just horrible because I'm just being careful. And she, my sweet little wife, like only a wife can, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Love you, girl. Boop, 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 boop. And I look over at her and I go. <laughs> it wasn't 30 seconds later, I thought what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And so I went ahead and, and, and I know, it's probably not so boo boo boo. <laughs> and no sooner had I found that relief, that one of mine goes, Ross! So when she boo-booped, it was an anonymous boo-boo. And not 30 seconds later, she put a name on mine for the whole campground to know. She wrote a trespass against my bodily functions. But I'm here to tell you that God will take it from a debit to a credit. He'll make that stuff not stank in your life. Come on, somebody. You wonder how I was going to bring that back around. Whew. Lord, have mercy. Everybody say, body to stank, body. Because <laughs> you know there's some stank, there's some stuff you go through in life that just stinks. It's just some serious. There's some stuff you go through that you're like, God, it's just, ah, oh, I struggle with this. This is still a difficulty. This still stinks. This, you know what, though? But in God's eyes, he's rescuing you. He's pulling. Lean into that pull. Amen? Lean into what that, that tug from him and just realize, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how bad it stinks. He has reconciled you from guilty too innocent. Give God some praise. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. That's what it's about, that idea of reconciliation. The things that have been taken away from you, that reconciliation means there's some things that are now going to be added to you. The enemy tried to bring a debit, and now God's going to start bringing positive things. Oh, you'll still go through some stuff. I'm not saying you won't, you know? But man, that God of rescue that's pulling, just lean into him and just watch as he continues to reconcile things in your life. You know, when the Bible says that, that there's a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things pass away, that passage, old things, is really a present tense imperative. It means old things are passing away. It's, it's not just overnight. We know that. It is functionally. You go from guilty to innocent because he reconciles you. But practically, it takes time to catch up to that rescue. Amen? So just live like you're rescued already. Go ahead and live like you're free already. Go ahead and enjoy. When you wake up in the morning, thank God for my deliverance. Thank God for my joy. Thank God for what you're doing in my life already. Because reconciliation has done that for me. Jesus has done that for me. When it comes to the word reconciliation, it comes from a Greek family of words that mean to change or to exchange. And so you're changing from guilty to innocent. 
credit, debit to credit. There's this change or this exchange. And reconciliation involves a change in the relationship between God and man or between man and man. And, and here's the thing. When it comes down to it, it is assumed when there's a need for reconciliation that there's a relational breakdown. That's just what happens. That's, that's the need for reconciliation. But now there has been a, a change in your life when it comes to your relationship with God. You've gone from the place of enmity to a place of, 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 of fellowship with God. You've gone from a place of fragmentation to a place of harmony with God. You have been reconciled, and it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. Because as a rescued one, I am helpless in the water. That, that's why I'm in need of rescue. And Romans chapter 5 really makes this clear for us. It says in verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Do you hear that? He died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it, but he died. He paid a price because reconciliation is about finances. Reconciliation is about accounting. And there was a price on your head. The wages of sin is death. And a price had to be paid for you to be reconciled, to go from guilty to innocent. And Jesus paid that price. Isn't that beautiful? I know that everybody's like, well, I know that. No, we don't. No, we don't know that. Because if we did, we would live like we've been rescued. Some of the fussing that we do with our spouses probably would be minimized because I'm a rescued person, so are you. We just begin to live and look at things differently. The way we deal with finances would be a little different. Everything we look at in life would be a little different because we're living like we've been rescued. Amen? And it's beautiful. The redemption is the idea of this. Redemption is to be bought with a price. That's how something's redeemed. You want to buy something, you redeem it with money. The same way Jesus shed blood bought you with the price of his shed blood. And in that, he died for us, and now we are reconciled. But I don't want you to miss this. This is so good because it goes back to that picture of Vernese, that, 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 that painting of Vernese. It was in that while we were yet still sinners that God died for us, that Christ died for us. It was as if this, remember how it said here, when it comes to the idea of a righteous, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, you know? Imagine your child in the street. You have a kid, your own flesh and blood in the street, and there's a drunk German beside him. Or a scurrilous one. Or a buffoon. Or whatever else you want to put down beside your child in the street, and a semi is coming, and you choose to push the German up. The German drunk buffoon scurrilous person away and your child dies that's what Jesus did for you it's exactly what Jesus did for you allowed his son to take the penalty allowed his son to die in the street so that we in that picture could be saved and I'm not talking about just an eternal thing I know we don't I love aren't you glad you don't have to go to hell isn't that awesome yes but I'm saying right now I'm rescued and that rope of hope is still attached to me. It's, it's not over. I'm still connected. I, I want to lean into that, that pool. When I feel in tug, I want to lean in. And there's so many times in my life I want to pull the other way, you know. But he just doesn't give up. He keeps tugging. I want to lean into that because that's the price he paid. That's what he did so I could be reconciled. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Just talking about that powerful connection we have with God now. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we're reconciled to him, and on this last week of the series, two weeks from now, we're going to see how we also now have a ministry of reconciliation. How God uses us to get our hands on that rope of hope and pull in other people's lives. I love how Paul just shows all throughout the Corinthians, and really Romans as well, how apart from God, we were ungodly. Apart from God, we were um, powerless. Apart from God, we were sinners. We were enemies under God's wrath. All those things, but because of reconciliation, there was an exchange. Because of that relationship, there was a change that took place, and we became new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that is the whole message of reconciliation. Amen? It's centered around the love of God and the death of Christ. Even the word to reconcile means this, literally to exchange, to bring into a changed relationship. You really have no reconciliation without relationship. Reconciliation almost always speaks of relationship, doesn't it? We have irreconcilable differences. Eddie and I are working through those. New gossip. No. But that's always about relationship. That's just how, that's the word. So rescue and reconciliation go hand in hand for the believer, but so does relationship go hand in hand with that sense of rescue. And we have this amazing relationship with God. And next week we're going to look at how through restoration we begin to have amazing relationship with others. And you may have some situations in your life where you're not restored relationally. Part of next week's talk, I'm going to give you some conflict resolution from Scripture. I'm going to teach you how to deal with some stuff biblically when it comes to some relational junk, some relational stank, if you will. Amen? You want to come back next week? Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so a rescued life is a reconciled life. It's a life that's lived larger than ever lived before because we realize we've been rescued. We realize the richness of what reconciliation means. And we understand that it's a lifeline that's not just thrown to pull us to, to, to heaven when we die. It's a lifeline, this reconciliation, this relationship that gives us a touch of heaven right here. And so I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to go back into worship we're going to experience a touch of heaven right here, a little heaven on earth. Because when you get Jesus, you get the Father, and when you get the Father, you get all of heaven. And I do, I believe there's a special anointing on this house right now where we can claim that heaven and earth connection, and we can pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven. As we go back into worship, here's what we're going to do. There may be a few of you here this morning, you're going, man, I need some heaven to touch my life right now. And if you're a lady, I'm going to ask you to come over to this side of the room. And we'll have ladies come and they'll just pray. So if there's something you need from God, a miracle, a touch, whatever it might be, we want you to come here. Amen? Maybe it's repentance. You just want to lay it all at the altar. Come kneel at these altars. Beautiful thing you can do as you connect with that lifeline. If you're a man, this aisle and over to that way. All right? And if you're a couple and you're saying, man, I just want to touch as a couple. We just want God to do a work in us. Just right here. Just up front. Amen? Just right here. So I want some of my pastors to come up here, some of our ministry leaders to come up this way. And we're just going to go into worship, we're going to go into prayer, and, um, and don't rush off, let's just worship the Lord a little bit, and then Pastor Marvin will come up in just a little bit, and he'll dismiss us. But I want to pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven.
Last week we said that we are treated, the scripture Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we are treated as imposters. That's that earthly perspective of us. And yet we're true. That's how God sees us. That's that heavenly perspective. As a known and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. Yet from an earthly perspective, you're right. But I'm reconciled to God. I'm connected with the lifeline. And I can claim what heaven has for me. And so this might look like it's dying, yet I live. As punished, yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet not always rejoicing. As poor, yet making rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. Father, as we go into this time, we just, we just pull towards you, God. We lean into what you have for us. And we thank you that you're going to do signs, wonders, miracles in this house over the next few minutes in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. If you need prayer, don't wait. Get to these altars. God's going to touch you today. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.